what are some of your favorite TV shows? For a minute. You don't have to answer that question, but, but one of my all-time favorite Chris, uh, uh, TV show is The Office, a show called The Office. I even got a little, got a little woo out of that, right? A little woo out of that. But in particular, one of my favorite uh, uh, episodes that they would do were, would be the Christmas episodes. And The Office is a show that is centered and built around life in an office. There you go, right? Life in an office. And one of my, one of my favorite uh, uh, scenes is that uh, they, they go to have this secret Santa gift exchange, and they set a limit at $25. And of course, Michael Scott, uh, who's the, the character without the hat, uh, is this guy that always talks when he's not supposed to talk, and acting when he's not supposed to act. And of course, they set this limit. Secret Santa is where you have a person that you've picked out. You're going to get a gift for them under $25. And, of course, he shows up with a video iPod that was, that was $400, right? And, and, and it made everybody in the office feel awkward. And they, they didn't, it messed up the whole point of having the experience. And it ends up you know, kind of in, in chaos. You know, and I was thinking about that. And I, and I was thinking, while, while we may not have uh, an, an experience where we're in an office and someone gives us a, a huge gift and, and it kind of messes it up, all of us, or many of us, have experienced uh, an awkward gift exchange before, yes? All of us have experienced some, some awkward gift exchange before, right? Uh, when, you're, when you go to have an office party or when you go to have a, a party at work, right, and you show up with the utensils and the other person, like, cooked a turkey, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I put in a lot of effort on this one. Or, or in a relationship when you say, we're not going to get each other anything this year. And then you notice that... Uh, Christmas Eve comes around and they have gotten you something, right? Or how about this? You tell the other person, you tell, you tell the other person, I love you. And they respond with, thank you. That was nice, right? We've all been a part, we've all had these experiences where we've had these awkward gift exchanges before. I, I think that this, that feeling and that thought and that Michael Scott moment it is our tension when it comes to Christmas and God. I think we, we feel this tension because the scripture tells us in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Now when, when God gives you his only son, how are you supposed to respond to that? How are you supposed to reciprocate that kind of a gift? And I think that's our tension, right? It's like, it's like God, we thought we had this like, arrangement where we're only going to do 25 bucks, and then you show up with a gift that nobody can match. And, and I think that's our tension when it comes to Christmas and, and why we wrestle with, with, with this gift that God has given us. And we wonder, how do I respond? How do I reciprocate something that was so good and, and was so big? The good news for us is that there actually is a way that we can respond to God's gift on Christmas. And so if you have your Bibles, that's what we're going to look at this morning. So you can grab it. There's a Bible maybe near your seat on one of the tables, or you can pull it up on your phone. Uh, however, you get a copy of the Scriptures, as long as you're not playing words with friends, I'm good. But before you put that uh, Scripture up, I want to give just uh, some quick context for us. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38, which was the, the passage that we heard read uh, just a few minutes ago. 
And uh, in this passage, what you have is you have, you have the, the birth of Christ being foretold. Meaning that before it happened, an angel shows up and, and tells how it's going to happen, what it's going to look like, what you can expect. And so we have this, this birth narrative that's being foretold. But also, I want to challenge you this morning, because a lot of times I think when we, when we read the Christmas story and we think about the Christmas story, we, we uh, separate ourselves from the Christmas story. Meaning it, it, it's just this nice, like, you know, video of a, of a nativity scene, right? Where it's like this thing that's cute and hap- maybe happened a long time ago. What I want to challenge you with this morning is as we read the scripture, to, to immerse yourselves in the story and to immerse yourselves in the characters. Because scripture was written in a way for us to identify with the characters uh, in the stories. That it wasn't just Mary was this, this not human person. Mary was a real person. And so as we read through it, find yourselves in the story this morning because I believe as we do, it'll be a much richer experience for us. So if you've got it, would you say, I got it? Oh boy. Well, since it's Christmas Eve, I brought the words and I put them on the screen just for you, okay? I'm not going to do it for the 5 p.m. service, just the 10.45 a.m. service. So, in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, and Elizabeth was an, was an old lady at the time, and an angel showed up to her and said, you're going to have a child. She would go on to have the child John the Baptist, which if you study the scriptures, you, you're familiar with that name. And uh, so, so they're, they're dating it. Luke is dating it. During that time, God sent the angel Gabriel, say Gabriel, Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, You are highly favored this morning. Tell him, You are highly favored. Because the angel shows up and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, there's three quick things I want to I want to highlight for us this morning because uh, a lot of times, so we when we we talk about Christmas, there's these themes, right? These big themes that we just talked about: peace, hope, joy. But but I've always wondered why why love? Why why does love uh, become a part of Christmas? You know, it's something that we just think about. Of course, yeah, love at Christmas, love at Christmas. But why love at Christmas, and what does it look like? And so there's three things from this passage I want to pull very quickly for us. The first one is this, is that, is that God sees us. God sees us. What do I mean by that? When God went to Mary, God, God saw Mary. We, we, we read the story and we think that Mary was just this person that was pre-selected by God. But I believe that God saw Mary, meaning that God saw her heart. God saw her character. He saw what kind of person she was. And the same is true for us this morning. I want you to hear this, that God sees you. God sees you. God sees you at home. He sees you in the workplace. He sees your desires. He sees your challenges. He sees your struggles. God sees your heart. God sees you. That's the first thing I want to highlight. The second thing is that God seeks us out. God seeks us. In the story that we read with Mary, not only did he, did he see her, but he sent who to her? We just said it. Gabriel, right? Sends, sends Gabriel to her, and he seeks her out. Now, the, most, the thing that's like 
extraordinary about Mary's story is how ordinary Mary was. Now, if you grew up in the Catholic faith, I probably am, I'm probably am trampling all over your beliefs this morning, and I don't mean to do that. But Mary was, was, uh, was very ordinary. Her, her background, where she came from, her, the, the, her, the region, it was, there was nothing necessarily special about her region that she came from. Uh, historically, we know that she's probably somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15. And unfortunately, during this period of time, Mary was not, um, uh, she was a woman. And, and women were not treated like they're treated today. And so she was, she was very, very, very uh, ordinary. But what the scripture tells us is that God sought her out. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to seek you out. Turn to your other neighbor and say, oh, that sounds bad. Oh, that sounds bad, right? God sees us and God seeks us out. And, and uh, have, you ever, have you ever been sought out for anything? Like, like when you were little or, or you ever, maybe even a better question is, have you ever dreamed of being sought out for something? A couple of months ago, uh, I had this opportunity to go and uh, do, uh, have an experience called the K1 Speed Racing. K1 Speed Racing. Has anybody ever raced go-karts before or, or saw that or been a part of that, right? Like, like K1 Speed Racing. And I have to tell you, my first, so I did it. It was my um, now brother-in-law, my, my sister, it was when they were getting married and stuff. Uh, and my, my first go, there was eight of us. I think they allow eight people to go at a time. And so there was eight of us racing. And my first go at it, I was awful. I was, I was awful. And I thought this would be something I would step into and be really good at. And I was like, I was terrible. I was, I was hitting the walls. And then, and then to, to reinforce how bad you are at the experience, they print up a little sheet and tell you what place you were in, right? And they do that, they do that after every race, every experience. And so you get to see, like, how bad you really are, right? But I have to tell you, so you get three races. When you pay, you get three races. And so the second race, I got a little better. I moved from eighth place into like fifth place. And then, and then for the third, the third and final race, I pulled it together. I tied it together, right? Pulled it together. And, uh, and you don't know how you finish until you get the printout because everybody's doing different times, all that kind of stuff. And my final race, I finished in first place, right? I, I finished in first place. The only reason I told you that story is so I could get some, some claps, right? That's how low my self-esteem is. no. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I, I'm 33 years old. I've never raced anything a day in my life. And there was this wild thought that maybe somebody from Team Dale Earnhardt Jr., knowing that he's going to retire, saw some raw potential in me and would want to work with me, right? Have you ever dreamed of being sought out, right? I, I think... It, all of us, somewhere, at some time, and at some place, we've all like, had this desire to be sought out for something special or, or something that we're, we're good at. Here's the irony in the story, is that Mary, the most extraordinary thing about Mary was how ordinary she was. That when God sought her out, there was nothing, it wasn't based on her merit, but rather totally on, on God's grace for her life. That when God seeks us out, it's not because he saw how awesome we were and how, how great we are. Rather, when God seeks us out, it's totally based on God's grace towards us. Can you say amen? Amen, amen right? 
So God sees us, and he seeks us, and God surprises us. God surprises us. God comes to Mary, and he says, you who are highly favored. Highly favored is not a word we use a lot today, right? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, when I come home from, from work, I don't, I don't approach my wife and say, greetings, you who are highly favored, right? <laughs> she, she maybe she might want that, I don't know, but like, but that's not how, you know, it's not how I greet, it's not how I welcome it. It's just a word we don't really use a whole lot, but, but it's an important word because it's used a couple of times here in the story. You'll notice that the angel will say this a couple of times. Uh, favored, this word means un, unmerited kindness from God. Unmerited kindness from God. That's what it means to be favored. That's why the angel shows up and says, you're highly favored. You have unmerited kindness from God and that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And it goes on with this whole surprise theme because God, God not only sees her and seeks her, but he surprises her by telling her she's highly favored, but also that, she, that he has entrusted to her one of the most important tasks, arguably, in human history. Like to literally deliver the most important thing, person our, our world has ever known, which we, was we celebrate at Christmas time. That God surprises her with not only are you highly favored, but I'm going to entrust you to do something that is so important. And you see, that's why earlier when I said find yourself in the story, because I think there's themes in this story that God is communicating to us here today. That I want you to know that God sees you. That God, God not only sees you, but he's going he's to seek you out. Because he's going to surprise you with something that God has and wants for your life. That when we talk about big themes of, of purpose and, and meaning, that, that God, it's not enough for God to stop there of just seeing you and seeking you. He's going to surprise your life. And I'll say this with a little bit of little prophetic theme here. I believe God's going to surprise you in 2018. Amen? Amen. I believe God's going to surprise you in 2018. And I, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but God's going to surprise you. But I can promise you this, what we see in the passage... The same words that God said when he says, you're highly favored, the Lord is with you, is true for us as well. You see, regardless of what Mary went through, there was that sentence, the Lord is with you. Whatever you were to face, the Lord is with you. Whatever 2018, I can tell you, this, whether it's high, whether it's low, God is with you. God is with you. He seeks us. He sees us. And he surprises us. This is why we say love at Christmas. Because God does these things. He has initiated His love toward us. But then there's this, there's this part where God then... See, God will initiate it, but God doesn't force it. God will initiate His love towards you, but He does not force His love on you. Rather, He initiates His love. He'll, he'll see you, so I see you. And I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to surprise you but then he does this thing, which is incredible, is that he waits for our response. He waits for our response. A couple of uh, days ago, uh, anybody on Facebook? You don't have to raise your hand. We all are, right? Uh, maybe most of us. On Facebook, they do these things called uh, Facebook memories, right? And, and, how, how, and, and Facebook has been around long enough to where like, it's long enough to where it's embarrassing at this point, right? Oh, maybe it's just me, right? Something will pop up from like 10 years ago, and I'm like, I cannot believe I took that picture, right? 
right? Well, there was one that popped up, and it was a, it was a memory of uh, the night that my wife and I got engaged. We got engaged on December 11th, and so, it, you know, that, that memory will, will pop up, and, and it's made me start to think about uh, when we met, like the, the night that we met. And uh, we both had, uh, I was living in Orange County, she was down in San Diego, uh, finishing up school, and we had these, uh, they were a couple at the time, uh, they were mutual friends of ours. And, and my buddy had told me about her, and so I did what we all do, I went on Facebook to check her out, right? And I, and, and I, and I told my buddy, I said, I need you to do me a favor here. I need you to tell me what she looks like, right? I need you to tell me. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest. All of you are looking at me with those eyes on Christmas Eve. How dare you, right? How dare you, right? But I, but I look, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, check. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm game for step two, whatever that is. So, so she had, she claims she had no idea that she was meeting me. She claims that I'll stand by her because she uh, is a very honest person. So, uh, so she has no idea. So we show up. I show up at the, at the venue, we have the mutual friends, and, and they introduce us, and, uh, and, and we, you know, we start to talk, and uh, I, had, I had a friend that was like in the band, and so I had taken a picture of the set list, and, and I had it on my phone, and so I knew what song was coming next, and, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, right? Like, like, look how cool I am. I know the next song on the thing, and the most surprising thing for me was that that she kept listening to what I was saying, right? And, and, and you know, was not annoyed by that, and, and we kept talking and stuff. And so, so the night progressed, and, uh, um, you know, the ladies went to the bathroom, and then they came back, and my buddy whispered in my ear. He said, hey, you have the green light if you want to get her number, right? Which is like, great, thank you. Uh, so, so I asked her for her number, and um, I, uh, I'm like, I don't know if it's, where I grew up, I don't know what any of those things, but like I, I'm very, I was very, very forward, and so I just like before the night was was over, I was already texting her. I was like, "Hey, it's nice to meet you, <laughs> right? I had a good time tonight. I, I, I hope I wasn't too embarrassing with the set list and all that stuff." And then I, and then I clicked and I sent it, right? I sent that message away, and then what do we all do? We wait, right? We wait. We wait. And if you got a certain type of phone, maybe a little, a little uh, bubble will pop up, right, that they're typing back. But, but you wait, and you, and, you, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and, and luckily, uh, you know, she didn't wait uh, too long to respond and, you know, just let me know, like, ah, great, right? Like, what I was initiating is being reciprocated. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what, you know, what God does, and that's why we celebrate love at Christmas time is because God has initiated his love toward us. And that one of the greatest ways that he initiated that love was in and through the birth of his son, Jesus. But then he, he waits for us to respond. He waits for us to respond to what he has initiated. So how do we do that? How do, how do we respond, right? How do we respond to, to what God has initiated? How, how, do we, um, how do we move towards him? I want to get into that, but, but quickly, I want to tell you how we usually respond. To, to God and when people usually initiate love towards us. And it's actually in the passage, in verse 29. Look what it says. It says, Mary was great. Verse 29, verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly, say, troubled at his words and, say, wondered. Wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That, that God showed up and says, you are highly favored. God is with you. This is what's going to happen. And her, her response is uh, the way that a lot of us respond 
is that we're a little troubled. And we, we wonder what kind of greeting this could be. Has anybody ever hit you up for something and then you begin to wonder what they want? Has anybody ever, ever hit you up for something and then you start to kind of backtrack a little bit and you, and you wonder, uh, what, do they, what do they want? What do they want here? Uh, I had a, a conversation uh, just this week uh, with a friend and he was talking with another friend and uh, they got to talking about Bitcoin. They got to talk about Bitcoin, which is the cryptocurrency, which was like, like all the, it's been very, very uh, talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks. And so they're talking and, and my one friend was actually very interested in, in it and like what, you know, what does it take to, to invest in it and, and get into it and all that kind of stuff. So I had a great conversation. He was ready to like take this next step. Total, and they were friends, like totally friends, all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the conversation, he said, hey, uh, Hey, if you, if you want to get into it, just let me know, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll help you get into it for a small fee, right? For a small fee. Has anybody, anybody ever anybody hit you up before, and then you start to wonder, what do they want from me? You see, I think that this, this expression in the way that Mary responds is a way that a lot of us respond to God, right? When, when, God, when God, when we hear a pastor tell you that you are highly favored and that God is with you, our normal response isn't to say, yes, I want it. Like, I, I, I want to go. I, I want to do it. Actually, our normal response is, actually, I'm a little bit troubled. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm a little curious why God would be so kind to me. I, I'm a little curious why the pastor would say that God is being so kind to me. Because we wonder, how could this be? How could this be? Does, does God not know who I am? Does God not know who, who I've been and, and, and where, where I've come from? Maybe that package got lost in FedEx. That's not supposed to be me. And I think that's what we struggle with when we wonder, and that's what our normal response is, is we ask this question, what? But then another common question that we have is that we ask God, how? How? In verse 34, Mary has the same questions that we would have. When, when the angel shows up and says, you're highly favored, you're going to give birth to a son, and this son, in verse 31 to 33, I might have jumped past this because I don't want to miss this. So the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. There's a lot of language in there about, about uh, certain things that were previously said like hundreds of years ago about who this leader would be. And so don't get lost in that. Essentially what he, the angel is saying is that you're going to give a birth, birth to a son, and this son is going to be the most special thing the world has ever known. And I don't know what your response would be. Again, lose yourself in the story. Lose yourself in the story. But Mary comes back at the angel with this question. How? How could this be? How could this be? In verse 34. How could this be since I am a virgin? Now, if you think about that for a second, that's a legitimate question to ask God. Yes? Right? Like, how am I supposed to have a son... God, I don't know how, if you know how this works, but uh, 1 plus 2 equals 3, right? So how is this going to happen? And again, I think this is, these are questions that we ask God all the time, too. 
When God says, hey, I have a better future for you, we respond with how. When God says, the thing that you're dealing with, I'm going to help you get through this. And we want to know how. When we're looking for work, we want to know where is it going to come from? How is this going to happen? And we have the same questions. But we also ask God those questions I said earlier. How would you choose me for this? And I think that this is the place where many of us opt out of what God has for our lives. I think this is the moment where many people hit that eject button and they just pop out. Because they think there's no way that this could be true. There's no way that this is what God has for my life. And it's where we opt out. But I want you to hear this. It's in my next slide. God's good is greater than your bad. God's good is greater than your bad. And look at that sentence. The reason it's hard to receive Jesus isn't because of how bad we are, but rather because how good God is toward us. That's where we hit the that's where that's why it's difficult. It's not difficult because of we know who we are, right? Amen. We know who we've been. Amen. Right? And that's why we pause and we we get stuck because it's not about I can't, it's not that I can't get over that part. I just can't get into how good God is toward me. Because he just continues to be good and be good and be good and be good. And we wonder, how could this be? But luckily for us, the story doesn't end there. That, it, that, that Mary does ask her questions of, of what and how. And notice that God, and through his angel, doesn't smite her, does it? It doesn't say, and then the angel Gabriel smited Mary. Right? It doesn't say any of that. Meaning, God can handle your questions. When you want to know what, when you want to know how, God is unbelievably patient. He'll walk with you. Maybe, you're in a, maybe He's speaking to you something, but you just can't get there yet. God doesn't say, well, I'll come back next year and we'll have this conversation again. Rather, God just walks with you, patient with you, helping you to understand maybe this season and life that you're in and getting you to the place to where you can finally receive what God has been saying to you all along, that you are highly favored, that God is with you. But Mary gives us, I would argue, one of the most exemplary responses that we can have to God. And when we ask that question, how do we respond to such a good gift from God? Right back to the beginning. That, that, that we feel that tension. It feels like it was this awkward gift exchange where it's like I said I'll give you my life and you gave me like Jesus Christ. And, and we're back to that spot and we want to know how do I respond? How could I reciprocate? Mary gives us arguably one of the most exemplary responses that you can have to God in verse 38. In verse 38 it says this. Put it up for me, Josh. It says this. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Nobody, nobody explained to her how this whole uh, immaculate conception was going to work. The angel threw out some stuff, and then her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May what you're saying be true for me. And what Mary teaches us this morning on Christmas Eve is that the greatest gift that we can give to God is a surrendered heart, is a life that is surrendered to God. Now, 
I know if you're new, if you're visiting with us, that, that, that felt like a lot of churchy language. Like, like, what does it look like? Again, this is not something I don't, I don't, I didn't go to my wife and say, I surrender my heart to thee, right? We, we, we don't use that type of language, but, but Mary's response teaches us what it looks like to, like, when you want to respond to God, when you want to reciprocate what God has given to us, the way that we do that is through a surrendered heart. What does a surrendered heart look like? I want to give us a couple of steps very quickly this morning before I close. This is what it can look like. That when, that you, when you want to know, like, how do, I, how do I move towards surrendering? Maybe I'm not totally there, right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not ready to go 100% in. What, what's a step that I could take today, even on Christmas Eve? Look at those things say. It says to follow God's lead without knowing where he's sending you, right? Like, that, that, that's, a, that's a movement that you can take. I, I don't know maybe where this relationship's going to go. I don't, I don't know maybe where this career is going to go. I, I feel like it's the right decision in this time and in this season of my life. And so I'm going to follow that leading. To wait for God's timing without knowing when it will come. Whoa, that's a tough one, right? It's like, I like to click two-day shipping and it shows up on Tuesday, Right? We like that, but what it's telling us to take a step of surrender is, is waiting and not knowing when it's going to arrive, to expect a miracle without knowing how God will provide. And the last one is to trust God's purposes without understanding the circumstances. What could that look like today, right? A lot of us are going are gonna to leave this place and we're going we're gonna to go and be with family, we're going to go and be with friends. What would it look like uh, uh, even today, a, a small step. I, I don't know what your family dynamics look like, but one of the ways it could look like is for you to offer to pray over the food. I know that sounds silly. Maybe it's something that's not a part of your traditions. Maybe that, but it could be a small step that you take when you say, hey, or it could be you know there's a family member in your life that's struggling, uh, whether that's like a physical struggle, healing, needing healing, or, or he- a health issue. What would it look like to just say, ah, this is really uncomfortable for me, but I, I, I want to take a small step and, and, and offer, hey, can I pray with you this morning? There's little steps, there's little things that we can do, I believe, that can help us take steps of surrender so that we can respond to the great gift that God has given us at Christmas. So I'm going to invite Britt. Britt, if you'd make your way up here. We're going to close out uh, our time with uh, just a, a quick, quick little song here, and we'll get you to those Christmas cookies as quick as possible. But think about this for a moment this morning. Think about this for a moment. We, we, again, we often approach the scriptures and we approach characters in, in uh, scriptural stories and we just think of them as like just superhero people, you know, that... Uh, that never struggled, that, that, of course, when an angel comes to you and says, you're going you're gonna to have a virgin birth, they just said, yes, may it be me. But I want to tell you that, that, that they were real people and that they, they grasped with things and they, and they struggled and they wondered how things could be possible and, and, and how, why would God come to Mary who, who did not come from a, a great family and, and came from an agrarian society. Like, why would God show up to her? But I, I want to highlight this thing real quick. Because Mary surrendered to God in that moment, we all sit here today celebrating Christmas. I know we don't think about that. And that feels so big, and it is big. 
But because God, because Mary surrendered on that day, we all are here today, remembering and celebrating Christmas. That being said, what if by taking a step of surrender today or, or the next week or, or the next month, what if a year from now you're at a completely different place in your life? What if a month from now you're at a completely different place in your life because you took a step of surrender? What could be possible? Mary gives us this unbelievable uh, picture of what a surrendered life looks like. I wonder, what does it look like for me and for you this morning? To take a small step of surrender and then to be able to be able to be back here a year from now and look back and just see how much God has worked in our life based on one little act of surrender. I want to encourage you with that this morning as we celebrate Christmas because Christmas is about all of those things, hope, joy, peace, and love, all the good stuff, all the big stuff. I love the Christmas trees. I love the presents. I love the songs. You still love the songs? Okay. I love it all, right? I love it all. But ultimately, what I see, what I learn in the story is that God was doing this incredible thing, but it required someone to surrender in that moment. And so today, think about that as you're with family and as you're thinking about Christmas and the story that, yes, it is about the arrival of Jesus. But in order to receive the arrival of Jesus, you got to be open to it got to be surrendered to it. So this morning, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. Britt was underscoring me a little soft.